Welcome to Vermont Artists and Authors, where we interview great storytellers and artists from the amazing Green Mountain State. This is episode 33. I'm your host, Barney Smith of StoryComic.com, and we're excited to have with us the highly renowned Vermont children's fiction author, J.L. Dorona. Hello. Jesse, how are you doing? I am doing well. How are you doing, Barney? I'm doing all right. Yeah. So this is exciting. So we've uh, we've been following this uh, the launch of your of your new book, which is called "The Berg Sisters Tour the Neitherswarth." Okay. I promise the next book will have an easier title to <laughs> and, or pronounce. That's like the one thing that I I love the title, but I also kind of regret it because I'm just like I don't know, I don't know if they got it, but that's okay. <laughs> So you, because you initially you started off as being a cartoonist and putting out some web comics, but now through the pandemic, you kind of took a turn and decided to write children's fiction. Correct. My roots have almost always been in both. So like when when I was younger, like high school age, um, I did some comic strips for the local newspaper, and I had been drawing comics since I was a very little kid reading Calvin and Hobbes and all of that. But um, before I went to college, I did try my hand at writing a novel, but it really didn't go anywhere. In college, I actually um, majored in uh, children's literature with a minor in writing. So I took a lot of courses on fiction, uh, like children's books as as well. So my, my background is actually fairly heavy into that. But then after school, I decided to go back to comics, went to the Center for Cartoon Studies, did that for a little while, and then kind of came back to writing. Now, how would you explain the uh, your writing process? How did you kind of come up with this idea and how were you able to keep the momentum going? It's it's kind of it's kind of weird actually. So um, I know the writing process is different for everybody, right? Everyone mm. has has their has their own thing. But what I what I did with this particular story is um, I I knew that I wanted to write something. Um, I had done two almost full novel drafts before coming into this project. Um, okay. So it wasn't it wasn't like I said, hey, I want to write. And then I wrote this one book. No, there, there were a couple of, uh, uh, of of attempts that I ended up shelving. But um, what I did with this one is uh, I, I knew that uh, I, I needed to do something that was going to be as close to my own my own heart and my own sensibilities as I could possibly get. So um, what I the the way it came about, at least the the general concept that sort of guided me was um, I was with some friends of mine that I'm in a uh, writing critique group with together. And I was telling them that this idea that I've always um, liked is uh, taking two stories that you enjoy. And in my case, mm -hmm. I just picked two movies and sort of merging them together into one new idea. So I had said to them like, like, for example, if I put Gremlins and Beetlejuice together, you could get a very interesting story from that. And then, like, as I'm saying it, I'm sort of going like, I can make them into something super fun. And uh, yeah, that's that's where Berg Sisters came from was an amalgam of those two ideas. But so 
it's interesting. So you, you kind of came up with the idea based off of an amalgamation of, of two separate intellectual properties, squeezed them together and see what came out. From there, did you then decide to create the world or create protagonists? For me, it's it's always the, the more important thing or the most important thing is the characters. I... I knew that it was going to take place in a mansion on top of a hill, like 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 on top of a tall mountain. That was just something that was always in in my head from like minute one. But to me, the most important thing is not where the the story takes place, but who the characters are in that story. So it was um, definitely the characters were the focus, but I did always have the general idea of where they would be in my mind as well. So talk to us a bit about the the plot of, of the, not to give away, not to give away the story, but just kind of give us the background of like, what's the world that you've created here? Sure. So the entirety of the story takes place in the um, in the mansion of the uh, great uncle of the two main characters, the two main characters. Um, it's uh, perspective. The, the point of view is entirely through Lacey Berg, who is the older of the two. And okay. um, her stepsister, Cal, is the younger one. And they are brought there uh, to the mansion after their uh, great uncle, uh, Francis Fugelberg who is also called great uncle frank uh he passes away so uh, lacy's father brings them there not only to settle the great uncle's affairs but also in an attempt to try and get the two girls to bond because they've been in a mixed family for at least three years at this point but they barely see each other they barely get along their backgrounds are very different from each other so and neither of them seem terribly interested in getting to know the other, especially Lacey, because um, her mother passed away. So she is very resistant to the whole thing and would prefer to just kind of, she would prefer everyone stays in their own lane. She's not interested in that relationship, at least not at first, but that's what character arcs are about. Am I right? <laughs> well, sure. And then plus like the, the cover. So we're looking at the cover design and, and anybody's interested, go to JL Durona. That's J-L-D-U-R-O-N-A.com for those listeners. Check it out because there you can see some of the images that uh, that are that actually is the, the cover of the book. So we're looking at here, uh, Jesse, it's the cover of the book that has the title of it here on the, the book cover, five images of five characters. So the first thing that I want our readers to do when they pick up the book is kind of get an idea of who those five characters are. Sure. So um, our two leads are the two girls in the center. So on the, um, on the left is Lacey on the right okay. is Cal. And in the middle is, um, one of the creatures that invades the mansion, which I didn't mention before, when when they go to when the girls go to the mansion, they are um, they're left alone in the mansion long enough to start messing with some of the machinery that they find, and they inadvertently <laughs> release a horde of these little creatures into the house, and they okay. proceed to trash the place. So they need to figure out how to get rid of them, 
and they are sent a message from the other side where the creatures came from that if they want to get rid of them, they have to go to this guy, Lord Sharp, who is the dude in the hat on the top. So he uh. he um, not to give anything away, but he uh, he he tells them that the only way to get rid of the creatures is to come to him. And so that is uh, that's the premise of the story is that in order to get rid of the creatures, they have to travel through this other dimension in order to meet this guy to try and set things right. Okay, and and so and I'm presuming one of the on the the bottom the bottom third of the cover has this very freaky looking spider face monster. Hey now, don't judge. um and he uh, it would i would presume as looking at the cover of it is one of the main obstacles that the the two sisters have to face it would be giving it away to explain anything about that fellow right there okay all right the only thing I will say is that he does happen to be one of the denizens of the Netherswarth, and he um, he is something that the girls do encounter. Okay, so you you mentioned as, as you said the uh, you know a couple of ideas of like you know smashing together Beetlejuice and Gremlins. From there, you kind of decided who the protagonists were going to be. How did you define the? the world, the physics, uh, in the, in the denizens of the neither swarth. Well, it's important to me that the world have sort of a juxtaposition to it. So the, um, the world that they, that they go to, it's, um, it's kind of like dank and, and depressing, but, it also has its own sense of of life, but it's a very it's it's a very dark place. Um, but the creatures that live there aren't necessarily entirely bad, and um, to uh, to say any more would uh, would sort of. Um, maybe give away too much if you're like halfway through through the book. It's also pretty short, so <laughs> the um, but like. Basically, um, I, I, I wanted the reader to be surprised as, as they read it. So something that could be conceived normally as like terrifying might mm. actually be, might actually be nice or something that seems nice might actually seem, might actually be terrifying. Disney animation, nice characters tend to have like, really big eyes and be all cute and adorable and evil mm. characters tend to have more beady eyes and have more sinister shapes or represent certain kinds of creatures. I wanted to exploit some of that, but I also wanted to turn it on its head. So there are definitely certain characters that are creepy and gross, but end up being nice and helpful. This is a part of also the writing the genre specifically to, as you called it, like a young adult or you're a children's fiction author. Middle grade specifically. Middle grade. How do you define as an author that, okay, this is the bar that I can't cross because then it'll be a little too adult or this is the bar I don't want to go too below because then it'd be too campy. How do you as a writer kind of define that middle grade 
level of storytelling? So it's been it's been a fascinating journey to learn that because mm -hmm. I'm honestly still not sure. When I was younger, a lot of the books that are for the age range I'm writing for were a lot simpler. So like um, I draw a lot of my inspiration probably fairly obviously from R.L. Stein's books, especially the Goosebumps series. Um, Rereading them back, you know, I can't I can't fault him for this, but they're a lot more simplistic than I remember. You know, when when I was of age to read them, it was like, you know, diving headfirst into like a real world. It was like living a episode of the Twilight Zone. Right. But like you go back and you read them now and you're like, not a whole lot happens in terms of like character development or or whatever. And so as as my journey through this book went along, I sort of realized that it's not nearly as much horror as I had originally anticipated. It's, I guess, more, and there are so many different genres, but um, it's more of like a contemporary fantasy, like uh, almost closer to like a lion, witch, and wardrobe sort of thing than than to like than to than to Twilight Zone. But um, to answer your original question, I think um, there. I saw a thing, uh, a uh, interview once. I can't remember who who the interviewee was, but they had interviewee is a funny word. But uh, they <laughs> they had they they had said that what the biggest difference between um, middle grade and um, young adult is is that like the age of the characters really influences how it concludes. So a middle grade story the characters are still young enough that um, their lives aren't, there's so many layers to this and I keep kind of pinballing a little bit, but like basically that the characters have their adventure and then they go back to where they started. They, they return to a place of safety. Whereas mm -hmm. with, whereas with um, young adult, they're growing up and, go uh, like leaving that that comfort of their original world so typically ya characters don't or can't go back to what they had originally um to where they had originally gone to um i don't to to cite uh movies as an example um Goonies, despite all the swearing and some of the content, would be more of a middle grade because the characters all go, they, they go into the cave, they find the pirate ship, spoilers for 1986, sorry, um, <laughs> uh, but they go back to the safety of their families. They're, they're, they're changed, they've grown, but they still return to that world that they came from. But mm. like um, Star Wars would be more of a YA because um, there's no way that Luke Skywalker can go back to Tatooine. Not only has his family been murdered and his farm burnt to the ground, but he's also traveled the world. He and also he hated it there, but like he's also traveled the world. He's had these these big new experiences. He's saved the entire galaxy. But right. um, but like as a older character, also simply because his world was destroyed before he left it that 
really does that that's more of an indicator of YA. It's not an exact science, of course, mm -hmm. but yeah, it's just like there's there are different types of growth. And as we as we mentioned earlier earlier in the show, um, you also went to the Center for Cartoon Studies and you're doing some of that. So talk to us a bit about those that might be listening or watching who balance between the two of like the visual arts and then also the the, the prose. Is are you tapping into the same well of creativity, or is there different creative muscles you use as compared to doing artwork as compared to writing? Well, I mean, I would say I I definitely feel like I am a much stronger writer than I than I am artist. There's sort of a similar well there, but you use it differently. So, like with mm. uh, with, with with drawing, is the same with with writing. You typically don't just want to, and I know some people might be annoyed by this, um, you don't typically want to just hit the ground running. You want to have some kind of idea of what you're, of what you want to create before you start. Like there's, there's the age old um, pantsers versus plotters, people right. who either like just start writing and don't know where it's taking them. And typically that doesn't, make for something as compelling as something that you maybe worked out yourself beforehand before you actually started writing. But I mean, both have, both have a skeletal structure, right? Like you do like your pencil underlines, you sort of plan out, like you sort of plan out where, where your colors are going to go, how the image is going to flow. And that's especially true with, with uh, comics because you want, you want to guide the reader's eye with both the words and the, and the images. Hmm. But um, yeah, I mean, in, in terms of the art itself, it um, yeah, I mean, there definitely is a, a structure for both. I think it's all, I think the, the best stories come, they don't it, not necessarily in like a memoir form, although that certainly does work with some people, but I think tapping into those parts of yourself that are hard to that are hard to access or like difficult for you to access and turning them into either something fictional or something visual um not only helps you work through it but also helps you um to create something that's a lot more like real and organic because it comes directly from you so yeah, I'd say like like the big thing is that both of them require a lot of yourself and a lot of heart in order mm -hmm. to in in order to make them as good as you can make them and as true to yourself as you can. So when you when you put this together, I'm kind of curious about when you created the world, did you create stories that you wanted to explore or stories that you needed to explore? I mean, that's a that's a really good question. I'm I'm not really sure that I know. I mean, I I think it always maybe not always, but like it it starts I I think it starts from a place of wanting, but mm. that might be closer to what you are thinking about rather than what you're feeling about the story. Like um a good example, uh Burke Sisters is kind of weird because it definitely has it definitely has a lot of heart and I feel like I put a lot of my like weird quirky tendencies in it, but I don't know if I can 
pinpoint psychologically where mm. it falls in terms of my own personal experiences. The book that I'm working on right now that I'm kind of building while I'm doing all the marketing for the current book definitely has more of my own personal experiences in it that I can directly cite. Mm. So I, not that I, I, anyone who wants to buy this one should definitely still buy it because it's really good. But I, <laughs> I do, I do think that um, a lot of, um, I do think a lot more of my personal experience is going to go into the next book rather than this one, which is interesting. But I'm mm. sure if I dug deep enough, I could figure out where that like, where that like psyche stuff comes in from the, uh, from, from the first book. So the, the title insinuates that this might be a series. Is that, is, is there going to be a, do you have a, a set number of books that you plan on coming out with the, the Berg sisters? Yes, at the very least, I have a I have a trilogy in mind. Um, I'm most likely not well. Well, at least I know, um I should strike that. I know for sure that the next book is not going to be the sequel because I already can tell that the sequel is going to be way longer. So uh, I want to give myself a little bit more time with that one, and the project that I'm working on right now is going to be a lot shorter. So what aspects do you foresee from the outline perspective? Uh, will, will readers get to get, dive deeper into the Neatherswarth or there's other places that the characters might be exploring? So the next, the next title does sort of give it away. So yes, they will be going back to the Neatherswarth, but they will be going back in a different capacity. Okay. I um, I can't explain necessarily right now because it would it would kind of give away the conclusion to the first book. But um, I have a philosophy with with sequels. Also, I I just have a very nit nitpicky holier than thou opinion on sequels. That the best sequels are the ones that take the characters that you already know and care about and put them into similar yet different situations. So like I, it, it takes place like, you know, a year later and the mm -hmm. characters are older and they're having new experiences. They're having new life experiences. They're facing new, new challenges. I didn't want to take them and put them into entirely uh, similar into an entirely similar adventure that just takes place like in a different place or whatever. I wanted it to be a little bit more than that. But um, when you start writing, I'm really curious about this as you're talking about being, you know, a pantser or a plotter, did you have like a notebook next to you about geographic areas or like, so if you knew where the characters are going to head in a direction, you already knew ahead of time what they would meet or, or, or things along those lines. No, um, I spent no time figuring out 
how it made sense that they went from point A to point B, because that's actually sort of part of it, is that okay. there is a surreal quality to the world where they could slide down a tunnel and end up in an area that's very, very different than where they were. Um, I, I don't, I'm not interested in putting that much detail into the world itself like i'm more interested in like obviously i i want to show what it what it looks like and what it what it feels like and in certain situations because the the book gets a little slimy um my um my wife specifically said after her first beta read that it made her feel icky which was which was fun because the world is is underground so it's very slimy and kind of moldy but um but uh now it's uh what is important to me is how it feels and like what the character experiences of that world is and um future stories will build on the world itself but only in as much as it affects the characters. I've never been one that's super interested in hearing about a lot of like the hierarchies of power or, you know, how, how, how another world takes out its garbage or whatever, unless <laughs> it actually matters to the characters. Like if, if they need to know how, how they dispose of their trash, it's because they have to like hide in a trash bin or something, you know, right. like, yeah, that's, that's, what's more important to me. Like I want to build the world up as much as it needs to be for the characters and the reader to experience it in 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 is of it where which when where be more important right so one aspect of, of of the writing is that you are a vermont based author so how supportive do you feel like the the culture and the community of vermont is to authors i mean i would say that it's very supportive um in terms of the creative process i couldn't tell you because I am one of those cool kids that has lived in Vermont virtually my entire life. So I don't really know what the, what inherent difference would be if I live somewhere else. But um, no, I definitely think that the, the closeness of the community are like our, our population density, you know, house, farm, farm, highway, house. Um, It, uh, we may, we may sometimes be sort of far away geographically, but you know, there's, um, there, there is a very strong art scene in, in Vermont. And I do feel like we, we do want to bring each other up and um, especially with like local bookstores and things like that. Like I've, um, that's like my, my, big exciting uh, point for all of this is that the book is going to be available in, in print, but um, Phoenix books is actually going to be carrying it in store. Maybe not right away. Cause I think it takes a little while to order, but um, right. yeah, I mean, I definitely find the, the community to be supportive. I can't say how different it is here compared to other places, but I have definitely found a lot of people that are, very supportive of, of, of the arts in, in Vermont. Right. I guess we get a lot of snow. So there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot of like working on stuff when we can't do anything else. 
And, and I'm, I'm also curious too, like the, 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 the location of your book, it, it takes place in a rural setting in an abandoned Victorian house as well. Yeah, it's, um, I will admit it just happens to take place in Vermont. There's nothing really about it that makes it like a Vermont book, which mm. is funny because uh, my wife, Beth, she mentioned to me like, oh, you should go to one of those like um, touristy stores and see if they'll carry the book. And I was just kind of like, it's not really like... It's not like a made in Vermont kind of book. It's sort of like it just happens to be in Vermont, but it, you know, doesn't really have much telling in the way of the story. Well, I'm curious, too, because I'm wondering, because uh, as, as you and I both know, Beetlejuice was filmed in Vermont. Uh -huh. And so that's one of the inspirations of your book, too. So it's almost it's almost apropos that you have you know, the, the, ma the mansion being in Vermont as well. So does your book take place in our Vermont world, or this is kind of like a parallel adjacent, your own fictional version of Vermont? So the actual, the actual location of the mansion plays such a small role that in this particular book, it doesn't actually matter, okay. but in future stories, I do have a more a more fleshed out physical fictional Vermont town that I that I am planning on using. But okay. in this book, it's mostly like because like the first chapter, they're pulling up to the mansion and the rest of it is spent inside of it. Right, right. And so you mentioned this. So the, the book is about, what was it? 130 or so pages. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so people, this is going to be released. What was the release date as of this recording? When is this book actually going to be available to purchase? The book is available for pre-order now and releases September 27th, 2022. Wow. Okay. See, Look at that. So as of this recording, as of this recording, it is available for pre-order. And what's really cool, your website actually still has a countdown on it waiting yes. for the So people can purchase it as pre-order right now and will be available uh, in five days. Well, four days and four hours. Yeah. And counting right now. Yeah. Boy, that is stressful to look at. <laughs> So what's what's so what's next for you, Jesse? You did mention that you're working on another project. Yes. So I I guess I will I will go ahead and reveal them right now. So I'm working on two different things. I have decided to finally work on a children's book, and I'm working on another novel. So you may pick which one do you want to hear of first? Oh, let's hear about the children's book. Okay, so it originally was an idea that I had as a um, comic, but it occurred to me that it would be so much better as a children's book for a couple of reasons. But so, and um, you may have actually heard of this before, but it's so it's called, um, I, I don't know if this is the official title, but right now it's called Pave and Schroeder. And what huh. it is, is it's about a ghost cat and a skeleton dog that live in a pet cemetery. And the premise is that um, 
the cat, uh, Schroeder, which is a play on Schrodinger's cat, and right. um, Pave is based off Pavlov's dog. So they right. both have like kind of a scientific reference to them. But um, one of uh, the um, Pave is is sad because he knows that his owners are going to come and visit his grave. So the story revolves around not only learning about the pet cemetery like there's a school of flying ghost fish that's an accumulation of every goldfish that's buried there that just flies around all day but um the most important message there is that uh pave learns or maybe learns right how to uh how how to let go of uh like how how to accept his loss when compared to the loss of his owners Okay. Because I feel like that's wow. something I'm sure that that's been addressed elsewhere, but I feel like any time there like that I see a story about loss, especially if it's the loss of a pet, it's not from the pet's point of view because the pet lost something too. The pet right. lost that love and that connection. So what does that do to them? Like for some, like cats, which, you know, I live with cats. They tend to be fairly indifferent most of the time. They're probably just going to run around and do their own thing. But dogs are typically much more loyal animals. And what happens to them? Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm what's really your, excited that? about that one. That, that does sound really good. I'm and also going to do the Are you going to be illustrating this? Yep. Your, you're going to be illustrating yep, yep. that? I, yep. I, I, I have decided to do that. I might see about having depending on how expensive it's going to be i might uh, i i might ask someone to maybe like do the um the inking or maybe some kind of like i have that vision because it's a children's book i just like by, by default i want it to be all watercolory but i have right. no experience with that whatsoever so maybe i'll have someone like do those elements of it but the yeah. actual drawings themselves is something that i feel like i my sensibilities as an artist would work really well okay. with right um and in, in, in your and you mentioned that you have a, a long form prose a novel that you're working on yes it's another middle grade it's um <laughs> so <laughs> it's called vicious cycle and it's about a kid who finds an old bicycle in the quarry that uh, is in their town. And after she fixes it up, it starts taking revenge on all of the people that have wronged her as, as, as in, in, in her life. It's basically a parody of, of Christine for uh, okay. the, uh, the Stephen King book. There's, there's more to it than that, but um, the basic premise is that the bike is haunted and that it is, um, it is working on the main character's behalf to right the wrongs that it feels have been done to the main character. Okay. That's pretty it cool too. All hinged. That was one that was all hinged on the title came up with the title. And I was like, Oh, this is great. You gotta, I gotta do something with this. So, <laughs> so that's, that's in the outlining phase. So that's, that's barely been started, but all right. You know I mean? Wow. Yeah. Nice. Cool. So, so, if people are interested in, in learning more about your, your work, they can go to, as we mentioned earlier in the show, um, jldurona.com, correct? That is correct. They can also go to my Facebook page, which is just facebook.com slash jldurona. That okay. tends to be where a lot of the 
um, where a lot more of the updates happen in terms of like where, where I'm at with certain projects or uh, certain um, certain like events and things like that. So any, anytime I, I do any like um, like book signings or um, other, other events like that, like um, I'm going to kids con new England in October which will be super fun so uh that will be that'll be there um but listen when you when you have your other your other books coming out come back on and we'll talk about it absolutely 